This is part three, part three in our discovery time from the life of Stephen. In Acts 6, beginning at verse 8, we read, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. My friends, in the last two messages as we focused on Acts chapter 6 and some other portions of Scripture, we discovered the following truths. We said, be a person, in parts one and two, we said, be a person who is eager, eager to carry out practical and compassionate actions towards people. This is what Stephen did. We said, be a person who is full of faith, who is full of faith. And we discovered that we need to be a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit and also who is full of God's grace. We could maybe put these points up on the screen unless the computer has frozen again. Who is full of God's grace and who is full, a person who is full of God's power. And in the last message, we talked about being a person who is filled with wisdom, filled with wisdom, and also one who overcomes, a person who overcomes the buts in life that we experience. Amen? Now, I want to draw your attention again to verse 10, verse 10, which says, none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. When we study the life of Stephen, we discover that he was a young man truly filled with wisdom. We talked about wisdom in the previous message, but I didn't feel, I didn't feel that we, we had enough time uh, to really spend on the subject, and so I want, I want to focus on the issue of wisdom in this particular message to a further extent. In the previous message, we said some of the definitions. For example, one of the definitions, if you look it up in Google, it says that wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment, the quality of being wise. Now, sometimes using your wisdom can, uh, 
can be profitable. Sometimes it can make you some money. I, I saw this happen yesterday, in fact, when we were having our annual church picnic uh, here at the church site. I saw someone use their wisdom. I saw many people use their wisdom, but, but let me tell you about one incident. During the picnic, one of, uh, one of these ice cream trucks came into our church parking lot with his ice cream truck music going. And, and as the ice cream man was driving in, I, I thought, you know, wow, here is an example of someone using their wisdom, you know? He saw the large group of people out on the grass and all over the place, and he must have thought, hey, there is potential to sell a lot of ice cream and a lot of popsicles, maybe some Sundays on a beautiful day like this. So I saw him drive into our parking lot. We were just using the west end of the parking lot. And of course, no one, no one was obligated to go and buy anything from him, but I suspect, I suspect that he, he, probably, he probably earned more in half an hour from all of our picnickers than maybe he earned the whole day driving through the streets. Anyway, I just kind of chuckled about here was a man, I think was, he was a young man, who used wisdom to promote his business. Well, here, here is some jungle wisdom. Now, are you listening carefully? Okay, let me see if you get this. Here's some jungle wisdom. A reporter was interviewing an African safari guide. And he asked, is it true? Is it true that jungle animals won't harm you if you carry a torch? Is it true jungle animals won't harm you if you carry a torch? And the guide replied, that depends on how fast you carry the torch. <laughs> All right. Someone has said, we can only be young once, but we can be immature indefinitely. We can only be young once, but we can be immature indefinitely. There is a need for all of us to grow in wisdom, just like Luke 2.52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom. So let's touch on some very practical and real life situations that the majority of us need to give attention to in this area of wisdom, okay? Number one, number one, and you have message outlines in your program in your bulletin today, all right, if you wanna just grab those if you haven't already done so. Number one, let's be wise, let's be wise in building and protecting our marriage relationship for those of you, for those of us who are married. Stick with me. When you are single and at work, it might be good and wise to regularly eat your lunch with a, a nice man or a woman if you're single. It could be, it could be the potential, someone said amen back there. <laughs> it could be the potential friendship which might lead to a wonderful marriage as sometimes happens in workplaces. If I asked for a show of hands, how many of you met your husband or wife at work? There probably would be some here, all right? Now, once you are married, once you are married, however, unless your husband 
or wife works in the same place and you can have lunch regularly with your spouse, it becomes unwise. It becomes unwise for you or for any of us to regularly have lunch or take breaks with another man or woman because why? You have to protect. You want to protect your marriage relationship. If a married person is regularly getting together with a member of the opposite sex during work, coffee breaks, and lunches, it can be too easy. It can be too easy to develop an inappropriate relationship with someone who is not your husband, not your wife. Amen? Some or many marriage, extramarital affairs begin somewhat innocently, innocently, and all of us have to be exercising wisdom in building and protecting our marriage relationships. You see on the screen, Proverbs 6.25, that verse says this. It says, don't lust after her beauty. Don't let her coy glances seduce you. And Proverbs 6.32.33 say, the man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself he will be wounded and disgraced. My friends, let's be wise in building and protecting our marriage relationships, whether you are younger, middle-aged, or older. Amen? Secondly, secondly, be wise. Let's be wise in how we raise our children. It was beautiful to see some of our children in the sanctuary here with us this morning before they went to children's worship. So let's be wise in how we raise our children. This means, to begin with, love your children. Love your children. From the time that your child is born, from the time that that little sweetheart is born, keep telling him or her and keep showing your child how very much you love them. Emphasize that. Don't, don't, assume, don't assume your child will know that they are loved. As a parent myself, I'm very confident that almost all parents love their children, right? I mean, if we were to ask, all parents would pretty much say, of course I love my child. What a dumb question. However, sometimes across the years I've learned or I've heard a teenager, for example, say, my parents, my parents don't love me. And they were serious. I knew their parents loved them. I knew that their parents loved them, and what I needed to do was to ask the parents to verbally and in practical ways show their son or daughter how much they were loved. One of the best gifts, one of the best gifts I believe I gave to our two children, Amy and Jeremy, was to regularly tell them and show them how much my wife and I loved them. And now with our, with our two-year-old grandson, one of the best gifts I am trying to give him is to repeatedly tell him and show him how much his parents and how much we as grandparents love him deeply. Amen? So love your children. 
Coupled with buckets of love, you and I need to be wise in appropriately and lovingly disciplining our children and grandchildren. We need to do that. Proverbs 13, verse 1 says, a wise child accepts a parent's discipline. And when I'm talking about disciplining our children, I'm not, I'm not talking about beating or starving our kids. Not at all. Dr. James Dobson's books, such as Dare to Discipline and The Strong-Willed Child, are still some of the best and most helpful books ever written on the subject of discipline. All right, so some of you might think, oh, well, they're, they're, they're a few, gener- they're, um, you know, a few couple decades old, Pastor Nick. Forget it. That's true, but it, they are still some of the best books you'll read on the subject of discipline. And if you need some help with how to discipline your children, go and uh, go to the library, get those books, or buy those books, and you will be blessed and helped. I've directed many a parent over the years to those two books, Dare to Discipline and The Strong-Willed Child. All right, we're talking about being wise and how we raise our children. Along with love and discipline, let's give our children wise direction. Give our children wise direction. Now, insert this in your notes. For those of you who are taking notes, I accidentally left it off um, in the message outline, and then... Uh, your next two points become D and and E, all right? Let's uh, give our children wise direction. One of the best, I believe, one of the best decisions my wife and I made when our two children were growing up was to not enroll them, not enroll them in Sunday sports. Both of our children enjoyed organized Sports, especially, as some of you know, Jeremy, he won a lot of sporting awards at his school, Athlete of the Year, and other sport awards and so on. Uh, Both of our kids enjoyed sports a great deal, but we made sure that whatever sports leagues they played in, they did not play on Sundays. And we made sure our children were in Sunday school and church services every Sunday. We, by the way, we would have done the same thing, we would have done the same thing even if I had not been a pastor, okay? Has nothing to do with me being a pastor. And as I speak, as I speak these words, I'm not saying them to make any parent feel bad who has a child involved in Sunday sports, all right? Obviously, I know some of you have your kids involved in Sunday sports. I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. There are enough challenges as a a parent. However, as a pastor, I have a responsibility, I believe, to help give some guidelines, uh, some direction that can be a help to you and to other people. A few weeks ago, we had, what was it, about 20 babies up here for Baby Sunday. I'm hoping those parents are going to follow some of these instructions or directions that I share with you, all right? And uh, basically... Over 35 years of pastoring, I have seen too many children and uh, too many youth drift away from the Lord and the church because they were regularly away from the Lord's house on Sundays playing sports, playing sports. And I'm hoping, are you listening now? I am hoping that my daughter, Amy, and her husband 
will never, will never register our grandson for Sunday sports. If they do, if they do, I will scream and shout big time. Now, some of you are saying, don't meddle, Pastor Nick. Listen, that's my grandson. I'm going to scream and shout big time so they can hear me all the way, all the way to Whitby. <laughs> and if they don't listen, if they don't listen, I will tell them that I will leave them out of my will. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. My wife is thinking, what's gotten into him today? He's really tired. Okay? And some of you are thinking, well, would that be wise, Pastor Nick? Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get a message across. Okay? Thank you. Was that my son-in-law? <laughs> it sounded like my son-in-law. Uh, uh, no, as I hear that voice, I want to say it's, it's wonderful to see Adrian and Hannah in church. My friends, won't you stand? We celebrated their wedding just the week before, bride and groom. God bless you. God bless you indeed. All right. You just remember what I said when you have children. I'm going to watch for it. Okay. My friends, let's also teach, going to point D in your message outline, let's also teach our kids to use social media in a wise and responsible way. I'm not on Facebook, nor on any of the other social media sites. I'm still trying to figure out my phone. <laughs> no, I, you know, I'm not on any of those um, fancy social media sites or whatever you call them, okay? However, however, I have my spies who report to me. I have my spies. Uh, they volunteered to be my spies. I didn't even ask them, <laughs> okay? And I am sometimes, I am sometimes surprised and shocked to see the kinds of pictures and comments from people that I used to think were normal and godly, okay? Some people, some people check their brains at the door when they go on social media. The little child there agrees with me. Some people just, I don't know, sometimes, sometimes I have to phone some people up as a, as a pastor, concerned pastor, sometimes I have to phone some people up and say, hey, what you posted is not acceptable. It is wrong. It is unchristian. You need to correct it. You need to change your ways. Would you please smarten up? And sometimes the response is, well, well, pastor, I, I, uh, I, I don't know what I was thinking when I did that. I said, well, that's obvious. You know, I was just having fun. I said, nonsense. Use your brains. Use some wisdom. Parents, let's direct our children to use social media in a wise and responsible way. And if they, if they don't listen, if they don't listen, don't pay their bill. With a lot of, lot of, lot of teens, it's the parents that pay the bills, right? All right, all right. Moms, dads, and grandparents, 
And those of you who don't have your own children, let's go to point E. Let's also be wise enough to enjoy, to enjoy and have fun with our own kids and other people's kids. I, I, I enjoyed interacting with and talking with and, and playing with a variety of wonderful boys and girls at our church picnic yesterday, and I try to interact with them on Sundays whenever I see them. I, I just love those children, whether they're younger or older. They're just precious. They, they, may not, they might not belong to me, but I'll tell you, they're wonderful, they're beautiful, they're precious. I love them. I thank God for your child, younger or older. And speaking of kids, a young child, a young child came to her mother complaining that her stomach hurt. Moms, you've had that happen, right? The young child went to her mother complaining that her stomach hurt. And her mother said, her mother said, oh honey, oh honey, your stomach is empty. You just need to get something in it and you'll be fine. About a week later, their pastor, their pastor was speaking with the little girl and her mother and he happened, the pastor happened to mention that he had a headache. Some of you seem to know where this is going. Their pastor mentioned that he had a headache. And the, the, little girl, the little girl said to him, oh, pastor, my mommy says that your head is empty. You just need to get something in it, and you'll be fine. <laughs> my friends, let's be wise enough to enjoy our children. Amen? Okay, moving along to truth number three today. Truth number three is let's be wise in practicing safety, safety. Think for a moment about the terrible explosion that happened in the home in the west end of our city in Mississauga, right? Tragically and sadly, recently a home in the west end of our city literally exploded. Now if you saw the aerial shots, how many of you saw the aerial shots from a, someone's helicopter? You saw the aerial shots? A lot of you did, okay. So if you saw the aerial shots from the helicopter on the news, you know that the house was ju just totally demolished. I mean, it was demolished. It looked like a bomb hit it, and the owners, a man and a woman, sadly were killed. There were, as well, several other homes that were badly damaged by the blast, and some of the residents still can't uh, go back to their homes because there's too much work that has to be done to fix them up. And as you are aware, the police and the fire department and other inspectors and authorities have been digging through the debris, the debris trying to find out why the house exploded. As yet, uh, no one has all the answers. There have been some suggestions in that. But um, hopefully there's, there'll be some more definite, definite answers in the near future. But uh, here's what I want to say that can help all of us here. I have discovered over the years, are you listening now? This can save someone's life. Radio listeners, are you listening? It can save your life. I have discovered over the years that sometimes well-meaning, good people store, store those red cans of gasoline 
Sometimes one can or two cans of gasoline inside their home, usually in the basement. Stick with me. Now normally, people tighten the cap on the gasoline cans. Sometimes, however, people accidentally don't tighten the cap or, or it corrodes. And what can happen is that the gas fumes, the gas fumes can gradually escape from the gasoline can. When those gasoline fumes gradually escape into the basement of the house, if the fumes, if the fumes float over to the hot water tank, which often has a pilot light or a lighter, depending who you ask as to what they're called, when the fumes come into contact with the pilot light, the fumes do what? The fumes catch fire. The flames travel back to the gas tank. There can be a terrible explosion and a major fire and blast. Now, why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you this? Because in a congregation this size, there are most likely, there are most likely numbers of people who store gasoline in your basement for at least some part of the year. I have seen it. I have cautioned people. I've pleaded with people to please not do that. My friends, be, in fact, I have seen, I have seen this in a church in the West End. I saw it. I went to the office and I pleaded with them. I said, listen, you cannot do this. Don't do this. And obviously explained why. Be wise and never store gasoline tanks in your home. Also, never store gasoline-powered lawnmowers or gasoline-powered grass trimmers inside your house. Store them only in a well-ventilated garage or shed, and this practice will help prevent fires and explosions. All right? Now, there are probably a few of you thinking, well, Pastor Nick, you know, why do you get into some of these practical things? It's because I love you. I, I, I believe an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. All right? And some of these terrible things happen when they don't have to happen. Also, practicing safety about heights and ladders. All right, let's be wise in practicing safety about heights and ladders. Every year we hear of people falling from ladders and seriously injuring themselves or dying from the fall. Last month, on a, a few of you men at the men's breakfast heard me mention this. Last month on a Saturday morning, I drove over to pick up a young man to bring him to the men's breakfast. As I was driving from his house, to the church, I saw a person, I saw a person about halfway up on a ladder leaning against a very, a very tall two-story. Now, some two-stories, you know, two-story houses don't look that tall. But this one, I don't know why, it just really looked super tall. There was a wind. There was a wind, and uh, due to the very long reach from the bottom to the top of the house, the, lat the ladder was swaying. I mean... I was driving slowly, and I could see the ladder swaying. Even, even from inside my car, I could see it was a very dangerous situation. It was a no-brainer. 
Well, I quickly pulled over and I carefully approached the ladder so as not to startle the person on the ladder. I, I started to hold the ladder to give it more stability and I saw that on the right side of the ladder, the gentleman had put a, a piece of wood to try to straighten up the ladder so it wouldn't be you know, kind of going to the right a little bit. And, and that also meant, because there was a piece of wood underneath on the right side, a shiny piece of wood, and it meant that that could slide. It could slide, and by sliding, the ladder could even more easily fall to the right. Also, believe it or not, he had put up the ladder backwards. Yeah, I'm not kidding. He had put up the ladder backwards. The, the, the homeowner in his 70s told me he had just had his roof shingled that week and he wanted to see it and make sure the contractor did a good job. Now I told him, I told him his ladder was swaying in the wind and it was too dangerous, could he please come down? He started to try to come down but his foot got tangled in some loose ropes that were hanging from the ladder. His foot got tangled and at one point, at one point I, nearly, I nearly asked him to please just stay put, don't move another inch. I almost said, look, don't move. Just, just, just stay where you are. I, I, was, I, was, I was thinking of calling the fire department to help get him down safely. Finally, finally he freed his foot from the ropes and he very slowly came down one step at a time. My friends, his situation could have become tragic for him and for me because I thought, if he falls, I mean, I've got to try to catch him. <laughs> but it's not easy catching a 200-pound person falling from 10 feet up. You know what I mean? What it boils down to is, beloved, beloved, let's be wise in practicing safety. Don't, don't, uh, don't go up high on ladders unless you really need to. And if you do need to, make sure it's a strong ladder and that someone is supporting it at the base. Obviously, this is simple stuff, but these simple steps are violated repeatedly and, and, and there are tragic events that happen. Amen? Let me, let me take you to another, another safety issue here. All right? It is this. Let me talk to you about the little accident before the potential big accident. On a regular basis, I come across little accidents on major streets or on Highway 401, the Don Valley Parkway, and oftentimes, oftentimes there's a fender bender where the car had stopped and the car behind ended up crashing into the vehicle ahead of him or her. And many times the damage, the damage looks like maybe it's, you know, $800 to $5,000 per car, and I call that, I call that a little accident, a little accident um, before the big accident, because so often when a little accident like that happens, the two owners plus other passengers often get out of their car, and what do they do? What do they do? They stand between, they stand between the two cars exchanging driver's licenses and insurance company names and phone numbers. Now, what is the problem? 
What is the problem with the scene that I've described which can potentially result in a major accident? The problem is the people are standing between two slightly damaged cars. Other cars behind them are traveling at 60 kilometers an hour or 100 kilometers an hour, 120 on 401. All right, and they don't. The other cars don't always realize the two cars ahead are stopped. Are you with me now? The potential major accident happens when another driver fails to stop and he crashes into the back of the stop car, which is then catapulted forward, thrown forward, crushing the two people or more people between the two stopped cars. You hear about this on the news too often. And, and, and why, why, why did I tell you this? Why did I tell you? It's because, my friends, it's because I love you. I love you. And I don't want to get a phone call saying you have been crushed between two cars. It's what it boils down to. If you have a small accident with the car, get yourself and everyone else off the road and onto the sidewalk where you can exchange driver's information more safely. If you are on one of the major highways, get over to the shoulder of the highway for safety's sake and safety first. Amen? There's also a great need for pedestrian safety, being wise in terms of pedestrian safety. Now, the Toronto, the Toronto Police 42nd Division Office is just down the road here on Milner, west of Markham Road. Some of you drive past it all the time. If you go, if you go into the 42nd Division, you will see a big chart. There's a big chart up there that says Toronto Police Service Traffic Fatalities. Traffic Fatalities. Now, the chart says in 2014, in 2014, 31 pedestrians were killed. In 2013, there were 40 pedestrians killed. Now, I thought, I thought the figures were for all of Toronto, which are bad as it is. I thought the figures were for all of Toronto until I asked the police officer at the station if the figures were for all of Toronto or just for 42nd Division. And then it hurt even more. The officer said to me, sir, the statistics are just for 42nd Division. It's just for a part of our city. My friends, the number of pedestrians killed or injured in our city is terrible. Our mayor, our mayor has been addressing this issue repeatedly on the news in the last number of weeks. And the, the sad statistics tell us at least two things. They tell us this. They tell us, number one, those of us who drive have to pay close attention to our driving all the time. We have to pay close attention. Make sure you come to a full stop at stop signs and intersections. Don't, don't step on the gas to beat an orange or a red light. The statistics also tell us that when you are a pedestrian, when you're a pedestrian, you're walking somewhere, stay alert. Don't have stuff on your ears so you can't hear what's going on. Don't, don't just look straight ahead. You've got to look to the left, to the right, to the left again, okay? 
Don't be crossing streets. Don't be crossing streets as if you are walking leisurely through a, pro, through a park. Cross major streets at traffic lights and crosswalks. Don't cross streets on red lights. I see it happen all the time. Don't start crossing a major street until you see the cars have actually stopped. I repeatedly see people um, not looking and stepping out on the road without checking to see if, in fact, the cars have stopped. Uh, a, a lot of what I've just talked about is very common sense, but sometimes common sense isn't so common. It boils down to practical wisdom. That's what it is. It all has to do with using your wisdom. And it's amazing, it's amazing how so often over the spring and summer when the weather is good, in theory there should be far fewer motor vehicle accidents, far fewer pedestrian injuries and deaths, and yet the numbers go up. So, let's be wise in practicing safety. And then, truth number four, let's be wise and get ready for heaven. Amen? Let's be wise and get ready for heaven. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says this. Why don't you read it in unison with me? I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. The verse is talking about the fact that what has been written in the Bible about Jesus is so that you and I will come to believe in Jesus in the name of our Son, the Son of God, so that we may know that we have eternal life, so that we know that we have a place in heaven. Are you ready for heaven? Are you ready? Be wise and get ready for heaven. I believe that Stephen in the Bible, when you read the full story about his life, it was clear that he was ready for heaven. And it's imperative that you and I be ready to meet the Lord. How can you be ready? You and I can be ready by repenting of our sins. That means asking God to truly forgive us for our sins. I invite you today to sincerely ask God to forgive you and the reason you and I can be forgiven is because Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and mine. Would you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Be wise and get ready for heaven. Let's pray. If this prayer expresses the need of your heart today, I want, I want to ask you to pray it silently right where you are. Would you pray this prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. And dear God, on this day, I am going to make the wisest decision I've ever made. I want to repent of my sins Believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. I commit my heart, my life to you. I want to live my life devoted to you. I open up 
the door of my life to your spirit. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I truly want to be a Christ follower. I make this wise decision today. And Lord, may you continue to fill me. Fill me with your wisdom. Fill me with your wisdom. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.